Um, I want you to know there's going to be about a thousand teenagers there. <laughs> because um, it's, our, it's our regional camp. So we have churches from all over southeast Queensland and even as far as Bundaberg. Um, and it's just packed out. And we have a massive marquee that we need to hire professionals in to put up for us. And, um, and it's just an amazing, amazing time. So make sure you get onto that. Um, there's a booth in the foyer for you to make the most of that and, and um, online. And you know what? Don't just look after your own kids. Get a few of their friends involved as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be awesome. So All right. Well, here we go. August. Yeah. August. It's the second week of August, but it's the first week of our theme for August because of SWB weekend last weekend. And the theme for August is identity. And I think that if there's one thing that the world is searching and craving for, it's to know who they are. I mean, our culture are asking all sorts of questions about how do I identify? And what are my preferences? And who am I? And this is such a massive, massive question in our culture right now. Who am I really? Who am I really? And the culture and the world is saying that we need to get to know ourselves. Get in touch with yourself. Have you ever heard this? Just be true to yourself. Can I tell you, there is no, nothing more ridiculous than that statement. Please, I, want, I heard James McPherson say, whatever you do, don't be true to yourself. <laughs> Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and no one can know it. So if you try to be true to yourself, you're running into a mess. Don't be true to yourself. Whatever you do, be true to Jesus. Be true to God because your nature is fallen and your heart is deceitful and it'll pull tricks on you. So when the world is saying, just get in touch with yourself, do what makes you happy, you're in for a lot of trouble if you do life that way. And so here we are in the theme of identity and people are asking, who am I? Who am I and how do I figure that out? Who am I really? And, you know, I believe that Our identity, obviously, started with God in the garden. He said in the first chapter of the book of the Bible, we read that God says to himself, the Trinity, he says, let us make man in our image. You are the very image and nature of God. If you want to know who you are, you just need to look at God. You are in the image of God. You are his image bearer and his character and personality is on the inside of you. The devil tried to trick us when he said to Eve, God's holding out on you because he knows if you eat from that, you'll be like him. We were already like him. It's a lie. And the truth is, if you want to know who you are, you need to know who God is. If you want to know you, you need to know God first. Knowing God allows us to know ourselves. It's the wrong way around to just try to know ourselves. It leaves out our origin, our heritage, our author, our creator, our DNA. It it leaves everything out. But when you know God, you know yourself. When you know where you originated, you know what your DNA is. When you leave that out, you are never satisfied and you will forever be searching for the answer to that question, who am I? You are in the image of God. Lisa Bevere put it this way in her book, Without Rival. She said, when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, then we are in a position 
to hear who we really are. When I was just young in my walk with Christ, I asked my pastor, how do I reprogram? How do I unprogram all the things that are wrong and reprogram? And over coffee, he explained to me, he took me to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, where the angels in heaven are in the presence of God, almighty God, and forever singing the word holy over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. Now, just think about saying that word for 10 minutes, maybe an hour. Now consider the fact that the angels are saying that consistently for all eternity. Why? And he helped me realize it's because they are constantly getting another glimpse of God that they hadn't seen before. <gasps> holy, holy, holy. And he said to me, if you're stuck in where you are in God, you just need to see another aspect of God. The way to reprogram is to constantly see more of God. And so it's not about seeing more of ourselves. It's about seeing more of who he is. And when we see him, we finally know who we are. When we understand a revelation of Jesus, we understand who we are. We see it in... um, In the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, who do they say that I am? And they're like, some say you're the prophet, some say you're Elisha, some say this, some say that. And he goes, no, but who do you say that I am? And one of the disciples responds and says, well, I know that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus then says, yes, I am. And now I'll tell you who you are. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. When he had a revelation of Jesus, Jesus could give him a revelation of himself. We see it in the Old Testament. When God turns up on Abraham's doorstep and Abraham's waiting for this promised child and God turns up and he says, I am God. God makes an amazing entrance. I am. And now I'll tell you, you are Abraham. He says, you'll no longer be called Abram, you're going to be called Abraham, and you're going to be a father of many nations. It's only when we see God that we can actually understand who we are. It all starts with him. And so I want to ask you today, church, do you know God? I'm not asking you how often you come to church. I'm not asking you whether you know the right things to do. I'm not even asking you if you believe in God. I'm asking you if you know him. Right. It's very quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> Do you know your God? Amen. Only when you know him can you know yourself. To know you, you've got to know God. So I'm not going to spend this morning teaching you about who you are. I'm going to spend this morning teaching you who he is. Because when you know who he is, and you know that he's your father and your author and your originator, you know that his DNA runs through you. So I'm going to take you through some of the names of God. Because he is Jehovah Rapha, healer, I'm healed. Because he is Jehovah Jireh, provider, I am resourced. Because he is Jehovah Shalom, peace, I am calm. Because he is Jehovah Nisi, my conqueror, my victory banner, I am victorious. And it goes on and on. I'm going to go through. I've got nine there. There's no way we're going to cover nine. 
But I want to go through a few of them this morning because when you know who he is, you know who you are. And you can walk in that, in that confidence. You don't have to question who you are when you know who your God is. So I'm going to ease you into it, okay? Because he is Jehovah Rohi, shepherd, I belong. And I just have to explain these names of God. Um, great book for you to read. An old book is called The Names of God by Lester Sumrall, and a lot of this is out of that book. But the names of God were written into the original Hebrew by Moses and Samuel and different authors. And because they're written into the Hebrew, then when they get translated, sometimes they can lose their meaning, meaning and we skip over it and we don't understand that we've actually just read a facet of God's character that we can cling to. And so today, I want to pull out some of these original names of God that get lost in the translation so that we understand them in English, but the power they hold is actually key for your identity. Key for your identity. So so Jehovah-Rohi, my shepherd, is what David wrote in the Psalms. He understood fully, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He goes on and he says, he leads me by still pastures, by green pastures and, and takes me to still waters. He looks after me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because his rod and, the, and his staff are with me. He goes on and on and he understands that because God is his shepherd, he belongs. He's cared for. He doesn't have to question his identity because he knows who's looking after him. He knows that he's provided for, that he's counted. And in Bible times, shepherds, you know, were the the thing that that they understood was a shepherd who had a flock of sheep and he counted those sheep several times a day. And we know the parable of the lost sheep, don't we? Even when one went, went missing, the shepherd left the 99 to search for the one. That's the heart of the shepherd. And you know that because his name is Rohi, because he is shepherd, that you belong, that you're counted for, that your absence is noticed and grieved by him, that he loves you and he provides for you. He puts ointment on you when you're unwell. He He takes you to safe, calm places. And through the dark places, he's with you and his rod and his staff comfort you. When you know that he is Rohi, you know that you belong. And there are so many questions around belonging today in our culture. But we just need to go back to our father and understand his name is Rohi, shepherd. I belong. I don't have to worry about that. My children know that they're going to have a home-cooked meal every night. My children know they're going to have clean uniforms when they wake up in the morning. And they know that, you know... If they go missing, I'm going to do everything I can to go looking for them. They don't question that. They don't question any of that. And so that gives them a sense of confidence in who they are, doesn't it? Any child who has not received that questions their identity. They question their confidence. They're insecure. They're unstable. But a child who's been given that security and reassured that they're counted for and loved and that heaven and earth will be shifted to find them and make sure that they're okay, that child is confident. That child knows who they are. And so because he's my shepherd, I know who I am. I know that I belong. Another name, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, 
Because he is healer by nature, I am healed. No question. No question. When you realize that, you have confidence in approaching him for healing because you know it's who he is and it's who you are. And this started back in the book of Exodus when the Israelites were struck with illness and God said to them, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And he healed them of their sickness. He named himself that. And when God names himself, it actually tells us what his character is, who he is. And he doesn't change his mind and he doesn't forget it's who he is. It's core to him. He is healer. Later on, we, we look at um, numbers when the Israelites were in the desert and they're bitten by snakes and the poison was killing them. And God said to Moses, their leader, make a bronze serpent and raise it up on a stick. And anybody who looks at this bronze serpent will be healed. So he did that and the curse stopped and the poison was um, rebuked and they were healed. And then we fast forward to Jesus having a conversation with a man and he's talking to him about being reborn. And he refers back to the bronze serpent. And he says, just like Moses raised up the bronze serpent, so the son of man has to be lifted up so that whoever looks onto him will be healed. And he's referring to himself as the bronze serpent. Now we know serpents are evil, right? But we also know that bronze goes through a refining process. So in effect, what Jesus is saying is I'm taking on all of your evil and going through the refining process so that I can be the one you look to so that you can be healed. Your healing is in Jesus. It's not just an Old Testament thing. It is actually more effective and more real today because it doesn't require a Moses in a location. It just requires your connection with the Spirit of God. He is Jehovah Rapha, healer every single time. Every single time. I personally, in my own body, have seen a miraculous healing take place. Supernatural in a song service where no one laid hands on me and I was healed of a condition. My children who I've laid hands on in crucial times have seen the miraculous hand of God move because I know who he is. And when I know who he is, I know who I am. And I know how to approach my situations. But we have to know our God. We have to know who he is and be confident. Because he is healer, I am healed. And I don't understand why some people don't receive healing in the time frame I think is right, except that I know he's healer every time. And the song we just sung said that through the fire and in the water, I will not lose hope. And I think sometimes we can sing cute Christian songs and not understand the weight of the words we're singing. Will you really not lose hope? When you are praying for years, we'll get there later as to the divine delays. But I want to encourage you, you need to know without a doubt that he is healer. And because he's healer, your identity means that you're healed. That is who you are. You are whole and you're healed. And that deserves a round of applause right there. Because his name is Jehovah Jireh, 
my provider, it means I'm fully resourced. Come on. A lot of Christians struggle with this and poverty mentality has crept in like a type of martyrdom. But it's actually completely a lie and the opposite of the nature of God. Because he calls himself Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's his name. And when we study the Holy Spirit, if you do a character study on the Holy Spirit, the one who's present with us in this very moment, you will learn that one of his key characteristics is generosity. Poverty is a curse and a lie. When you know that God is Jehovah Jireh, you will rebuke that curse of poverty like there's no tomorrow. It does not belong in your life. It is not who you are. It should not make up any part of your identity. You are resourced, you are blessed, and you are prosperous because that's who your God is. He is abundant and he is a provider and more than enough. His very name is victory. And so is provision. We see this when Abraham finally has his son. And, and God tests him. The son he has waited 25 years for is born. He grows up. He's no longer an infant or a small child. And God says to him, I want you to take your son Isaac, that prophet, promised son, and I want you to take him to this mountain and sacrifice him to me as an offering. And so Abraham takes his son, goes up the mountain. You have to understand, Isaac is no longer a child. Isaac knows exactly what's happening. And so now it's not just a test of Abraham's faith. It's a test of Isaac's faith. And so they're both going up the mountain to the appointed time. And we see Abraham in Genesis 22 following through with with this process, he's preparing an altar, he's preparing the kindling, he's straightening the ropes, he's sharpening the knife, right? Like pretty confronting situation. And we see him reassure his son and he gives God this name. Abraham said, my son, God will provide. The original text says Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went together. They came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar, placed wood on the, in order. He bound Isaac with his son and laid him on the altar. Can you imagine this test? And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Can you imagine? He's like, thank goodness. He says, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld this most precious thing, your son, your only son from me. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. God had provided. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. Amazing. God did this as a test right up to the very last minute, but he did provide, and he always does. And you know, because God does everything out of love, he will test us. He will test us. I remember when we were just young um, parents for the first time, 
and uh, we had our baby and I obviously stopped working and it was before that time where the government so generously supported mums who couldn't work for the first few weeks. And so we literally, in that first season with a newborn baby, after paying our bills, had $25 a week to buy groceries and formula and nappies. $25 every week. And we were on staff as pastors, full of faith, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Hello? Turning up to church in our Sunday best with our smile on, oh, you're faking it, Carolina. No. No, sometimes you've got to be free on the inside before you're free on the outside. Sometimes you've got to know what's in you before it happens on the outside. It is not faking it. It is a matter of speaking to your situation and being who you're meant to be before the reality takes place. And God never let us go without. We had anonymous baskets of groceries turn up every week. We had envelopes of cash turn up. No one knew our circumstance, but God knew. And God tests us. As a 24-year-old young mum, I didn't know that 11 years later I'd be leading a congregation of young families. He knew, and he wanted to know, can she lead her own family? Will she keep tithing? Will she keep turning up and serving and putting me first? If I've got this for her in her future, will she do this in her present? God is a provider, and you need to know that without a shadow of a doubt, that he will not let you go without, that he will provide for you. In fact, a praise report that came in this week from our very own location. I want to read it to you. After being out of work for 12 months... I had been putting off tithing from my previous year's tax return. When I finally decided to step out and make the payment, that same afternoon, funny that, hello, 12 months, that same afternoon I was invited to apply for a new job to work with an old friend. I have since started that job and it is perfectly suited to my skills and pays more than my previous job. We're not after your money. I'll just put it out there. But if you're not tithing and you're not serving and you're not in the house of God and then you're wondering why things aren't happening, probably need to go back and have a look at your trust and your faith and where that rests. Do you know your God? Do you know him? Stay faithful. Keep your faith. Speak well of God. Trust his character. In uh, 2 Corinthians, it tells us that he will make all grace abound to us and we will have all sufficiency in all things in abundance for ev- in abundance for what? Every what? Every what? Every good work. God will give you everything you need to live a godly evangelistic life. He will give you everything you need. That red Ferrari may not be necessary. But he will give you everything you need to live a godly evangelistic life. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to lose a night's sleep over it. Just trust him. His name is Jehovah Jireh. You are fully resourced in Jesus' name. Because he is Jehovah Shalom, peace, I am calm. I am calm. And if there's anything that our world needs right now, it's an injection of peace. Chaos, stress 
disorder and anxiety are not of God. And I want to speak that into the spiritual realm of your life. Chaos, anxiety, disorder, and stress are not of God. And I think that sometimes we can excuse that type of behavior for personality, which is absolutely contrary to the Word of God that tells you all the time that He is the Prince of Peace. He is not the author of confusion and chaos. That He loves order. That He loves calm that he calms every storm. And so if you have allowed yourself to be stressed and now you're calling it your personality, you need to rebuke yourself for doing that. And you need to come into agreement with your DNA, which is peace. It is peace. You are peaceful. You are peaceful. Gideon in the Old Testament was a fearful, self-doubting, common man. And God called him out and said, you are a mighty man of valor. I want you to lead my um, army. And he's like, uh, what? And after a fair bit of convincing, Gideon goes to battle, wins the battle. Shock horror. Do what God says. You'll be victorious. It's all good. So he wins the battle. And then he goes on in uh, Judges 6. And he says that Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Jehovah Shalom. He called it peace after battle. And I love in Judges 8, it says, Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Because of one man, a whole nation experienced calm. He is the God of peace. Shalom. Do you need peace today? Do you need peace? Are you stuck? Are you stuck in chaos and stress and anxiety? You just need to see another aspect of God. And you need to dwell there under the shadow of his wing, gazing upon that aspect of who he is. You are peace. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And so I receive that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I rest there and I meditate on that because that is who I truly am. Because he is Jehovah Nisi, victorious, conqueror, my victory banner, I am victorious. Jehovah Nisi means my victory banner. And we read about this in, uh, in Exodus. Again, the people are going to war and Moses builds an altar and he says, he calls the altar Jehovah Nisi, the, my victory banner. The thing that I love about a banner is that it goes out in front. It's not at the back. A banner is something that identifies you and it's symbolic and it's bold, it's your label, it's who you are, it goes before you when you're coming into opposition. And it reminds me of the scripture in Isaiah that says, I'm talking really fast because I'm trying to get through nine and I'm not going to get through nine. In Isaiah it says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will raise up a standard against him. And we misunderstand that, but in the old days, a standard was, what, they, was a, um, what the battleships had. It was the flag with the emblem on it at the front of the ship. So whenever they came into battle and they saw the enemy's ships, they raised up a standard. Their standard, their banner, Jehovah Nisi is my victory banner. And so I go and I know that because he's my banner and he's my victory banner, that I can be victorious. 
And Summerall in his book defines the three areas, four areas that we have victory over. Sin. Hello? You have victory over sin. You have victory over slavery, which is bondage and curses and habits and generational patterns. You have victory over yourself, which is selfish and your fleshly desires. It is laziness. You actually have victory over that. And you have victory over sorrow, fear, anxiety, and depression. You have victory over that in Jesus' name. He is your victory banner. When you know who he is, you know who you are. You are powerful and you are victorious and you carry his name as your banner. When you know that he is Jehovah... Uh, T-S-E-B-A-O-T-H, Seboath, which means host, Lord of hosts. He is my captain. I am a fighter. Lord over the heavenly hosts. I love this one. Lord of hosts is mentioned 282 times in scripture. And we don't recognize its power because it says Lord of hosts, when actually... He's this God of the armies, the heavenly armies. This was the God that Samuel wrote about when he described David when he was yelling at the Philistine, Goliath, and he said, you come to me with weapons, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, and today I'm bringing you down. Because you know he's the Lord of hosts, You know you're a fighter. I am sick and tired of church members who sit on their backside and are victims to their own lives. When you know that he is victorious, when you know he's your banner, when you know he's the Lord of hosts, you know you're a fighter. And you know you're victorious in your fight. You know you're willing to stand up and face that giant and say, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And today you're going down. Today you're going down. When you know who he is, you know who you are and you know the power that's behind you. There are three cohorts of heavenly hosts. Let me teach you a little bit this morning. The first one is led by Archangel Gabriel, who is the Lord, the, the, the leader of the hosts of the guardian angels. They're the ones in scripture and today who are charged to care for you. They're the ones all through scripture who visited people and gave them the word of God. Then there's the second cohort, which is led by Archangel Michael, who is the Lord of the fighting angels. Every time you say a prayer, he hears it and he sends Michael and his angels out to deliver and fight for you. Every single time. And then the third cohort was led by Lucifer, the worshippers. And they were cast out and now that's us. We are now that cohort of worshippers. But I want to talk to you about Michael and his cohort. Because the armies that fight for you are fighting all the time. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to be numb to the spiritual world, to be a victim to your life, and to stop fighting. But when you know he's the Lord of hosts, you know that you're a fighter. And you know that all of heaven is fighting for you. We see it in the book of Daniel, where one time he's praying and he's fasting, and Gabriel is dispatched straight away with an answer to prayer. And he's there straight away, and he's talking to Daniel. The second time he's praying and fasting, 
it takes him several weeks to hear from Gabriel. When Gabriel finally turns up, he says, I was fighting the king of the air. Hello, I was fighting spiritual darkness to get to you. That's why I'm delayed. In fact, I had to call on Michael, who's with him still fighting. But here I am delivering your word. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Why do things sometimes not happen on our watch? I don't fully know, except I see there in Daniel's story that they're fighting for us. How dare us give up when they're fighting in the background? When you know that he's the Lord of hosts, you know who you are. You know who you are. And I just want to go to the last one. We'll skip over a few. When you know that he is God, Elohim, you know that you're not. And there are many Christians today who live as though Jesus is only their saviour. We need to live as though he's our Lord as well. When you know that he's Elohim, God, you know that you're not. Just as much, just as important as it is to know who you are, you need to know who you're not. We see that with John the Baptist when he says, I must decrease so that he can increase. Sometimes we need to know who we're not. And when we know God is Elohim, God, we know that we're not God. And we hear Elohim in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, when God says, let us, let Elohim make him in our image. He is God of gods. He acknowledges that there are other gods in the world, other things that people worship. But I'm the God of all gods. I'm the king of all kings. I'm the power over all powers. I am God. And when we know that, we trust. When we know that, we give our lives fully to him. When we hang on tightly to certain areas of our lives, we take back control of those areas. God can't be powerful and loving in the areas that you hold back from him. As much as he loves you, and he wants to intervene in that situation, if you're hanging on to the control of that situation, he can't move there. If you are God in that circumstance, he can't be God in that circumstance. But when we know he's Elohim, he's God, we know we're not. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Oftentimes I hear people say, you know, I'm I'm just praying for God to fill this situation, to meet this need. And we want God to be generous in areas of our lives and yet we're stingy towards Him. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If we want God to be generous with us, we need to be generous with Him and be completely surrendered to Him in every single area. To be fully yourself, you need to be fully His. No reservations out of stubborn pride. No reservations out of fear or risk avoidance. No reservations at all. He is God above all gods and the only one worthy to be worshipped. To worship any other thing is an act of contempt against God and a sabotage against self. To know God is to know He is good and to know that you are not good. He is Rapha, I am healed. 
He is Jaira, I am provided for. He is Nisi, I am victorious. He is Rohi, I belong. He is Siknadu, I am made perfect, he is righteous. He is Captain, I am a fighter. He is Shalom, I am peace. He is Shema, which means he's present, he's, I am never alone. He is Elohim, and I am not. I'd love for us all to stand to our feet this morning and take a moment of reflection. A moment of reflection. Do you know God? Do you know Him? Do you know Him? My job as your pastor is to point you towards God. I can't fill any kind of space in your life. My only job is to point you towards Him. And my deepest desire is to have a church full of people who are spending time with their Father in Heaven who are seeing Him, experiencing Him, talking with Him, walking with Him, learning about Him, discovering Him, encountering Him. The only way to know God is to spend time with God. I just want to encourage you. Doctors are awesome. Godly counsel is important. Church attendance will turn your life around. Doing all the right things are important, but do you know God? How many of us go to the Holy Spirit first? As a strategy first? Is He the steering wheel or is He the spare tire? To know Him, you have to spend time with Him. You need to see another aspect of who He is. Lord Jesus, this moment, this day, Lord, would you recalibrate our hearts, recalibrate our focus from question to knowing, from question to knowing. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would birth something on the inside of us that would grow, a hunger that would grow, a hunger and a desire that would grow, that is only satisfied in your presence, in your word. Lord, when we're dry, we recognize it's because we haven't been in the water of your word. Father, I pray that this church family would be driven back into your presence. Every day, in all things, in all circumstances, Father, that we would find your loving kindness in your secret place. We want to know you, God. We want to know you, Jesus. Want to know you more and more so that we're growing. Yeah. So becoming more and more like you. More and more into the person you intended us to be, our true identity. To know you is to know ourselves. We want to be that person who you've intended us to be. And when you ask us, who do you say that I am? that we would have a fresh revelation of who you are. And in those moments, you'll be able to speak back to us who we are, what our name is, what our purpose is. Thank you, Jesus. And in this atmosphere, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna put out an invitation to maybe some of us here who don't know God, who don't know God. You may have never heard of God before. You may have never been in church before. 
This may be a first experience for you and something on the inside of you has stirred today. I want to tell you that's the voice of God calling you home because He loves you. Maybe you've been in church for a really long time. Maybe you've been in and out of church and you know what it looks like to play the part, but you don't really know God. And this morning, you want to come back to Him and you want to receive Him as your Lord and your Saviour. And if that's you, with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand so that I can pray with you in this moment? You want to know God. Give me a wave so I know who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your presence. Thank you that you fill our lives. You meet our needs. I thank you that you are all things good and all things love. Lord Jesus, that you heal us, that you provide for us. Lord God, that you give us peace. Lord, by nature we are calm. By nature we are overcomers. By nature we are victorious. By nature we are bold. We are fighters. Father, by nature we are overcomers in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you today. I speak prophetically into this church family, an overcoming spirit. A spirit that is victorious. A spirit that is whole. A spirit that is strong in Jesus' name so that we can be that in the world and bring a light and a hope and an answer because we know who we are, because we know who you are in Jesus' name. Why don't we give him some praise this morning? We love you, Lord. Speak to us, God, every day this week. Speak to us, Lord. Amen. 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 We're going to go out.